Welcome to Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons. Q is about conversation. If we're really concerned about ending poverty, we've got to be more concerned about creating justice. Our cultural products as Christians need to both defy and resonate with the culture. God's doing amazing things. His church is expanding. His church is growing. It's not what's the purpose of my life. It's what is the purpose that's been assigned. Stay curious. Think well. Advance good. This is Q. these verses could be kind of used as, I say, like little speed bumps. You know, we sometimes we're breezing through and we just need something to help us slow down a little bit. And also visuals definitely help me remember things. Uh, if I see a verse on a page, I can correlate it with you know, what I'm reading and kind of retain it all. Welcome to Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons. Glad you've joined us this week. I'm Paul Perot from Faith Radio. And Gabe, you and your team at Q talk a lot about culture creation, taking the raw materials of this world, then using our God-given talents and creativity to create things that are beautiful, that are beneficial, that help others flourish, and hopefully point people to God. And today, we look forward to a conversation you had with an artist who is a good friend of yours, Dana Tanamachi. This is one of those you're going to want to send to your friends. You're going to want to send it to those that uh, you get inspired by and inspire them with this because her story is one of, of amazing journey of God sort of using her talent to start to create culture-wide trends that now you see everywhere. No matter where you go, you're seeing her art. You're seeing art that's now kind of trickled down, the trickle-down effect of great art and design and branding that's starting to show up everywhere. But she decided to start to apply her talent to something pretty amazing, and I can't wait for you to hear her story and tell us how she decided to go spend a year of her time putting art into scripture and thinking about the Bible in a completely new way. And it is just beautiful what she's created. So we're going to just jump in. You're going to listen in, listen to her story. And then at the end of this, I'll tell you more about where you can find more about the project she's done, her art, so that you can start to follow her. She's somebody who's given a Q talk. You can go search her at qideas.org under Dana Tanamachi, where she did a great talk at our Boston event about three years ago on creating and flourishing and all about her journey and her story. So let's listen in. You can hear a little bit of that here now and talk about some of her latest art, her latest projects, how she thinks, how she creates with her hands and stays off of digital technology, all the good stuff that you and I need to hear more of. So let's listen in. Dana, it is so great to get to spend a little bit of time with you and for so many of our listeners to, to really get to meet you. I know many of them have seen the talk you gave back at our Q conference a few years back of your story. And so it's going to be fun to just catch up on where you're at today, what, what kinds of projects and things have been evolving since that last time. But just for them to get to know you and to, to start to follow you, you're one of the most inspiring people I know. And so I'm excited for so many people to come to know you just a little bit better today. And our history goes back many, many years to when we both lived in New York City. And that's where we first met and became friends. And your journey really began then on the art side of things, not not in your life, but, but career-wise, like some things started to take off. And for those who haven't heard your story, would you mind just catching us up a little bit on that journey of how you came to recognize the gifts that God had given you in the sense of your artistic ability and your passion 
for that kind of thing. And then we'll kind of move forward in your story a little bit to today, but I'd, I'd love for people to just catch up a little bit on where this all came from. Yeah, sure. Um, it's fun to kind of think back at that time, right? Um, I guess I moved to New York City in 2007. I had just graduated from college with a degree in graphic design. So, you know, I was making friends, had my first job, a lot of transition. Um, I think it was about 2009, I was invited by some new friends um, from Trinity Grace Church in, in Brooklyn to a housewarming party. And I guess that's where um, there was sort of a, a big change and um, a light bulb went off. But a friend had encouraged me to to draw on one of the walls that was painted with chalkboard paint. And I had never even seen that kind of thing before. This was, you know, very much pre-Pinterest. And so um, I remember drawing the word Brooklyn there and my friends were like, oh, that's so cool. Like it, it's like really vintage and we take my picture in front of it. And I thought, yeah, I mean, sure. It, I didn't think it was that great, but <laughs> um, it kind of turned into a photo wall for that party. And then from then on, we had about three more parties that year and I would come over beforehand and draw the art for whatever theme that party was going to be. And everyone would go home and upload their photos to Facebook. And it just kind of became our thing. It was, it was really fun. It was really organic and yeah. natural. And I, I loved seeing people, you know, celebrate and right. enjoy themselves with my work. Yeah. What was fun about that, I know, is is you love community. Like, that's just something that's been a big part of your life. And, and you love these parties. And from that moment, there was a beginning of people starting to follow your art, starting to see what you were doing with chalk. And then this whole chalk art movement just takes off. Right culture-wide, nationwide, worldwide. And I know you don't, you know, you don't like to talk about it in this sense because, you know, you were just kind of being creative and doing what, what you had in your eye to do. And yet yeah. it literally has shaped the way art is showing up, the way people think about lettering, quotes. Mm. Like, And now today there's such a variety of ways of people doing it, but the whole idea of hand lettering something was at that, at that moment, that wasn't something people were doing. It's been yeah. amazing to just see how almost a cultural trend can start to turn into something that lasts far beyond being a fad to a trend to, to now almost like mainstay. It was just right, right time. You know, um, like I said, there are people around that time who are also doing lettering and kind of bringing it into the mainstream. Um, but it, it was amazing to watch and something that I never expected. I was just doing something that I really enjoyed and that I loved and I could work with my hands and it was very therapeutic and again it was fun providing that yeah um, as and, a gift and, for my community and then you went on and i mean several i mean major fortune 100 companies start calling you i know you did right. oprah you did the o magazine cover time i think i mean just so many different places your art then starts to show up around the world and what yeah. i loved about that is just how grounded you are through that process that none of that was going to your head you weren't like thinking you had arrived or anything you were just kind of doing your art and continuing to mm -hmm. practice this and that's what I love about your story. And I think those listening will appreciate is that you've just always enjoyed working with your hands, creating. Yeah. Um, and in our culture today, I'm just curious, like, as you sort of observe what's happening culture-wide, I mean, if you look at the last decade since that began for you, there's also been a major shift happening of, of more consuming taking place by people, a lot more digital, less tactile experiences. We've seen an increase in mental health, anxiety, 
so many things happening. And, and the more I read and am understanding it, part of the challenge is we as human beings were meant to create. We were meant to use our hands. We were meant to imagine and to design and to do mm. things with our hands physically, embody it, not just in our mind, but, but with our bodies. And it strikes yes. me that that's what you've committed so much of your time to over the last decade. Would you credit the fact that you've spent so much time working with your hands? Has that helped you in some ways? Does it feel like you've stayed more sane as a result of that? And what would you say to listeners who maybe they'd say, look, I'm not an artist or I don't have those hobbies in my life. Would you encourage us that we must have these kind of habits in our life because of what they can cultivate in our soul? Absolutely. Um, you know, you mentioned mental health and I think that there is such a strong connection between working with your hands or doing something creative or even say physical activity with our uh, well-being. And I think that that's really true for me. My sweet spot is, you know, being alone in my studio, getting to sketch things or I mean, right now I'm working on just, a, I'm always working on personal projects. And I think that that's been the constant throughout this whole time. So even if I'm on the computer a lot or yeah, there, you know, we've always got our phones in front of us. Um, I feel like I'm always trying to reconnect with the physical, like the tactile. I found that that's what inspires uh, the other work. Mm -hmm. I feel like it's, it's out of those seasons where I am building things with my hands or cutting things um, or drawing that my my greatest ideas you know come from and yeah, i that. would absolutely encourage people and like you said not everyone is an artist and so that's why i kind of mentioned um the physical activity part it's really hitting that reset button for me and taking yeah taking a walk being active going running you know buying some supplies i mean i have so many art supplies in my studio but um i'm always open for more so i'm, I'm always wanting something to tinker with or to to work with, you know? Yeah, it was interesting. I was reading a couple of years ago, Thomas Jefferson. There's a great biography by John Meacham about his life. One of the insights that I, I received from that was when he was traveling over in uh, France and he had to be there for an extended period of time as, a, as uh, our secretary of state at the time when his daughter was still here in, uh, in Virginia and he was instructing the lady who was going to oversee his daughter's education because his wife had died on how to spend her time during the day. And so you look back and you literally get to see, here's how Thomas Jefferson would have <laughs> instructed a child to spend their time. The first two hours of the day was spent maybe on reading. And then it was like a couple hours on dance. And, and, and that was like every yeah. other day, but on the days you're not dancing, I want you to be drawing. Hmm. And it was almost like a daily exercise for his daughter to draw. You know, then it was read French wow. and then it was read. It was it was a full day of just like learning and stimulating the mind, but it included these tactile things. And, and we all need personal projects. Like, let, let's get back to that and think of ourselves as creators, as artists, as people who can work with our hands, even if you don't think it's that great and you're not creating it for somebody else yeah. necessarily or to sell. You're creating it because it's God's made us to create and we come alive as human beings when we're doing that. Well, your career has just continued on. I've been following you so closely and it's just been so fun to watch the kinds of projects I was saying earlier. You've gotten to do projects at the highest levels of art, um, the highest uh, levels of, of business, of fashion, of, you know, all those eyes on you. And then came along a project what, two years ago that you were, you were up for considering. And I, I remember us having a conversation at the time where you were really thinking about this project because you knew what it was going to take. And I was, I was so like excited 
kind of waiting for you to, to see what were you going to decide to do because a publisher <laughs> approached you and said, we would like to see your art and your talent used throughout scriptures, used throughout the Bible. And yet you knew at the time, if I commit to this kind of a project, this is going to take me offline for quite a while. This is going to be yeah. bigger than anything I could ever have imagined in terms of the work effort. Well, I do um, remember getting connected with uh, the team at Crossway and talking to Josh Dennis, the creative director. And he said, I have this crazy idea. You know, we want to do kind of a modern take on an illuminated Bible. And we, we think that your style would be perfect for it. And, um, you know, this is what it would entail. It's over 500 illustrations. You know, there's a full page book opener illustration for every, so there's 66, you know, full page um, book openers. There's hundreds of margin verses. Um, you know, we want to do it in metallic gold. We want it to be um, an, an art journaling kind of edition as well. Uh, oh, actually, they, they sent me some samples of, of things, you know, and ideas that they had. But what I loved is, is he said, we want to do um, something that is beautiful, but that is reverent. And I remember when he said that, I was like, that's the key. Like, that's the key word for me. That's what I want to hear. Because um, you know, I, I, I am a perfectionist. I am a textbook Enneagram one, you know, <laughs> like if I do it, I really want to do it well. And I want it to be, you know, feel, feel weighty and feel serious. Yes. And um, so, but I was like, but how do we do that in this amount of time? Um, so I think that was the challenge was saying, is this doable? I want to do it at the level, you know, at a very high level. And so did they. So, you know, we were always on the same page there. Um, but such a big project like this, you know, like we talked about, I'd kind of been going lightning speed for like seven plus years, you know, traveling and doing, um, you know, installations and just a lot. Um, and since I've known you, I think, um, and while it was really exciting jumping from project to project and, you know, making work that I was really proud of, I think what was most maybe appealing and also terrifying about the illuminated Bible, what Bible was, taking seven months, you know, out of my life and dedicating it to just one right. project. And I think sometimes as like a creative person, it can feel like you're only as relevant as the last thing you produced. And I felt like this project might be my chance to kind of push back on that idea in my own life. I did take a break from social media and I, I didn't really show anything this whole year. And um, I wanted to see what the result would be. Um, so yeah, I, I, st I stayed home and you know, I, I worked diligently and day in, day out on this project. And it's amazing to have it, you know, in my hands at this point. <laughs> I can just say, Dana, I, when I got this in my hand, I'm flipping through it right now. I mean, it uh, is gorgeous. I, I just, I was so blown away by it. I couldn't believe <laughs> you, that. I mean, you, you talk about seven months as, a lot of time to commit to a project, but when you see the fruit of what was created in seven months, it's hard to believe that was even possible yeah. and that you got one night of sleep. And it's so yeah. beautiful. One of the decisions Rebecca and I just made is we, we bought 50 of these and sent them to like <laughs> 50 of, of our friends who we just said, look, you know, this Bible is a beautiful piece. This is like a beautiful piece of art. I want you during the Christmas season to set it on a table and to just see who goes to it, who picks it up, who starts flipping through and starts reading. Because, you know, there was that moment culturally where everybody had a family Bible, you know, that would 
kind of right. sit in America, at least it would sit out and a lot of people wouldn't open it or use it, but they'd kind of record the deaths and the weddings and those kinds of things in it. But it was, yeah. it was such a beautiful piece that you wanted it sitting out. It was like, it was like a beautiful piece of art. And I said, I don't think I've seen something like that in years and, and something this beautiful, except when I look back historically at some of the manuscripts and, and the way they would create this art, which I know is part of your inspiration here. I do have to say that I was assisted by an amazing team of about five lettering artists, some local and some not. There was just no way we were going to get through this yeah. all in seven months. So I do want to put that out there and thank them so much for their talents. And, you know, um, it was fun working together. Really a lot of assistance on the margin versus as I was focusing on the the book opener illustrations, but it was a fun, you know, team. And, and that's the thing. I mean, sure. if people could look at this right now, they'd see, you know, when you get to Psalms, for example, every mm -hmm. book has a, a full page, beautiful illustration in gold. And so there's a deer, you know, down at a brook, kind of like a deer panteth after the water. I mean, and you can just see how you were inspired and had to dig into each book to do that. Tell us a little bit from your understanding of illuminated Bibles, because I know that's what this is called, is the, the, the illuminated Bible, but the idea of illumination, because I've seen it as I've walked through um, some of the, the old museums and the places that are holding some of the oldest Bibles and as yeah. they were being printed, and you, you, you could just see there was so much time and energy put into art, which for most Bibles today, you know, people are flipping through and there's, there's not art, there's just words, nope. <laughs> and it's just, there's no space, there's no margin, it's just crammed as much as they can on a page. <laughs> yeah. The majority, I think, of illuminated Bibles were these were just highly, highly um, decorated and ornamental. You've seen them in museums. I, we've both now been to the Museum of the Bible, and that's one uh, that exhibit of all the illuminated texts that they have there um, was incredible for me to walk in, you know, around. And I was like, oh, yeah, this would have been so helpful like a year ago. <laughs> um, but when I think of them, um, you know, they're these sacred, beautiful, historical objects. I think what Crossway wanted to do and what I wanted to do with the Illuminated Bible was to create something similar, but for the modern eye um, and something that people could actually engage with and hold in their hands and be inspired by the art. For me, I'm a definitely a visual learner. So the idea of having art paired with the scripture was something that was incredibly interesting to me um, and that I felt could could benefit a lot of people, including myself, um, that these verses could be kind of used as like, I say like little speed bumps, you know, we sometimes we're breezing through and we just need something to help us slow down a little bit. And also, you know, visuals definitely help me remember things. Uh, if I see a verse on a page, I can correlate it with, you know, what I'm reading and um, kind of retain it all. Yeah, I think, you know, that's the beauty of this is, is we're wanting people to slow down. We want people to read. We want people to take more time, right, for reflection. And maybe we'll just close with this. What is that mentality that you have that, that doesn't let you just kind of sit on one particular style as an, as an artist? I have tried to remain um, grounded through the ups and the downs um, of the last several years um, and through the, the chalk lettering, you know, era, I always knew that that wasn't going to be, you know, where I ended up. People started to ask me, oh, do you like, did you get a degree in chalk art? And I thought, is that a thing? Like, you know, and I thought, man, when did I, when did I become 
you know, just a truck artist. I was like, I feel like I've got a lot more inside of me. That was, it was just the right place, the right time. I felt like the steward of that particular medium in that particular time. But I think that's why I held it with an open hand as it became more popular. And I started to see it, you know, Mm-hmm. in a lot of places I just thought well it didn't really feel like mine it felt like a gift all good things come to an end and there are new things on the horizon and um, I'm just uh, thankful that I didn't have fear you know surrounding that like I had to grip grip you know around it um, mm-hmm. that I could let it go when it was time and you know right now um, I just went to the woodworking store last week and I got a lot of sheets of, of this kind of balsa wood. And I, I want to move actually into the, maybe the fine art world um, in the next year or two. I've been talking with um, my manager and, and, you know, we've been casting a vision for what excites me. And, but I, I have some kind of out there ideas and I want to start practicing in my own time mm-hmm. because usually the way it works is once you do something that you're passionate about or, you know, that I've been fine tuning. And then I say, you know, there's a company that contacts me and I could say, Hey, this is what I've been working on. What do you think? And, and they're, you know, sometimes they're like, Oh, that's nice. No, thanks. But then, you know, there might be that one company that comes along and says, actually, that's really cool. We could go in this direction or, you know, combine these two ideas. And then all of a sudden, you know, you get to work on something new and something that you wanted to. Mm -hmm. So for me, uh, you know, that's kind of what I'm working on. It's a little vague right now, but it's just, it's still a awesome. work in progress. Yeah, but you're still pushing um, yourself. You're still yeah, really trying to press yeah. into the next level of, of your own talent, growth, learning. And I just love mm-hmm. that. I love that you're so committed to cultivating your own uh, creativity and your soul. And we just love mm-hmm. you and appreciate you and are proud of you and that excited to share with others about your great work and also just about you thank and who you. you are. So thank you for being with us today. Absolutely. Thank you. Well, I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Dana. She's just a delight. She's so humble, right? I mean, you can just hear it in her voice. She actually doesn't do a lot of podcasts. So she told me before she did this, she goes, I just... I don't enjoy doing these kinds of interviews. So because we're friends, because we've known each other a long time, I'm going to do it. But normally I don't do this sort of thing. So it's kind of a treasure to get her talking, to get just just get a little bit inside of her head, how she thinks. And I'm encouraged. I'm inspired. One of the things I'm trying to do, I'm talking to our children about it as well, is to really get into a mode where we say, let's create. Let's, Let's make sure every day we don't just sit back and consume, but that we create and cultivate something. Because that's what builds who we are. It's, it's part of how our soul comes alive. I think God's designed all of us to do it. You've heard it in her own life, how she has these personal projects. What a cool idea to think of a personal project, something that you're going to create. What a great time to kind of say, look, over the next year, I'm going to commit to once a month having some project, or maybe for the next year, I'm going to have one project and I'm just going to keep working on it. And I'm going to keep my supplies out. And I'm going to keep doing something with my hands, or I'm going to do it in the garden, or I'm going to build something outside. But I'm going to use my hands and I'm going to be in touch with my humanity and the physicality of how I've been made. So I'd encourage you to do that. And also, I want you to look into this Bible. I'm serious. This Bible, buy one for yourself. It's a perfect gift to give to somebody, whether it's for a birthday, a graduation, 
They have multiple colors you can choose from. Check it out and go to illuminatedbible.org. When you go to illuminatedbible.org, you'll see the video I was talking about where Dana tells her story. You can also see a lot of the sketches that are part of this project. It's an extensive website as well. This Bible is going to be one of those that, like I said, it's going to be around for a long time and make it part of your family. Just make it one of those that's going to be on your shelf, easily accessible for people to look through, be inspired by. This is the kind of items when we talk about creating culture and new forms of culture that kind of allow people to see a tangible expression of how the gospel shows up in life. I think of something beautiful like this that says, look, this text is worthy of something beautiful. And so we're going to create art around it. Uh, you can also follow Dana if you want to just hear more of her story and, and let's follow the project she's working on over the next year. She starts to venture into fine art, but you can follow her at Dana Tanamachi and there's a little underscore after Dana. So Dana underscore Tanamachi on Instagram. You know, Gabe, I'm thinking, you know, Christmas just a few months away, and that illuminated Bible sounds like a great gift idea. Right. Anyway, we have just a couple minutes left, and we should take a few minutes just to remind our listeners about Q Commons. Coming up in less than a month on Thursday, October 24th, in many communities around the United States and even the world. Gabe, tell us what will be happening. Tens of thousands of people are gathering in homes, in churches, in community centers, in museums, And they're all coming together for one reason, and that is to understand and learn how we together can solve the problems facing our cities and our communities. And so on this particular night, you're going to hear talks, you're going to engage with neighbors, you're going to hear differing opinions, but we're going to set aside our differences to come together and listen to one another. You see, listening is actually part of the antidote to a lot of the problems that we face in our society. And so would you commit and join with us on this one night for Q Commons so that you can be a part of the solution. Now this year's theme is Create a Better Future. It's a two-hour event and is meant to educate us Christians on how we can bring hope and leadership to our communities in this critical moment in America. Local speakers are being added daily at the various sites, but the national speakers are Malcolm Gladwell, Francis Chan, and Gabe's wife, Rebecca Lyons. To learn more about Q Commons, simply go to QCommons.com. There you can find out where you can attend some of the larger events, as well as maybe even hosting an event in your home or at your church. Again, that's QCommons.com. Gabe? Learn more about that. See some of the topics that we've already confirmed, and we can't wait to see you. So until next time, I hope you have a wonderful week, and I look forward to continuing the conversation and the learning together. This show is made possible in partnership with Faith Radio and Northwestern Media. Thank you for listening to the Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons podcast. These conversations are available because of listener support. You can make your gift now at MyFaithRadio.com. To avoid missing future editions of Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons, subscribe to the podcast today at iTunes or on your podcast player. And thank you for sharing this audio link with a friend and growing the impact of Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons.